0: Podcast. In the world, from WWE to DNA impact by way of the NWA, it's time for Reffin' It Up with legendary referee Brian Heppner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all-new episode starts in this, this ish. is Reffin' It Up.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Refin' It Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man of the magical voice, R.J. He is, forever will be the man in the stripes, Mr. Brian Hebner. And he is Mr. Ruffin' Rat himself, Mr. Jimmy Corderis. Boys, how we doing?
2: Awesome, man. I couldn't ask for better. I mean, like, uh, except for this weather, which is uh, uh, night and day, in and out. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, it can't make up its mind, so... Uh, But other than that, just happy to be here, man, having a blast doing this.
0: Boys, 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 RJ, Jimmy, another freaking, oh, my gosh. You know, the level of excitement, this is what I love about this. This is why I love retirement. The level of excitement, I think, can't be matched. And then every single week, like, I got so amped for this tonight. And I don't understand why. But then I do, because we're covering my boy, Matt Hardy, and I'm bringing in uh, his co host that we'll go over later on, uh, John Alba, and I'm so mm-hmm. excited about that. I think that's really just gonna dig deep into some more backstory of some Matt Hardy. I just, man, I just mm-hmm. so excited, so excited. So, uh, I'm ready to go.
1: Yeah, if there's, um, there's anybody that knows about Matt Hardy more than these two guys on the show this week, being obviously Jimmy and Brian. It is definitely John Alba. If you take a listen, we'll go over it. I'm sure. But if you listen to the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, comes out every Friday, uh, wherever you get great podcasts, uh, you'll you'll hear why he has a very John has a very large passion for uh, for the business and for everything Hardy boys, Matt Hardy, what have you. So we'll definitely get into that, but. Something we definitely want to get into is our first count.
0: This is your one count.
1: This past Friday was hard to kill from center stage in Atlanta, Georgia. And our guest from last week, guys, Mickey James is your new impact knockouts champion. I I think this is going to be a start. Hopefully, this is a trend, guys, because you know we've had Steve Macklin on, we've had uh, Josh Alexander on. They're champion, or Steve Macklin's going to be soon champion. But man, what a heck of a match, though!
2: No, it it was an incredible match. Uh, You know, uh, uh, hats off. I'm I've been blessed to get to see Josh Alexander from from a fledgling indie wrestler here in Canada, working in Ontario. And right away, you could tell there was something about this guy and he's special and he's absolutely showing it right now, not only from an in-ring wrestling standpoint, but in a match like he had with with Bubba slash Bully Ray at uh, Hard to Kill, you know, a uh, metal, a full metal mayhem match or, mm-hmm. you know, just basically old school hardcore match. Mm-hmm. And man, he showed he could hang with one of the best to do those kind of matches, too. So this guy is an all around talent. This, he, he, he's a huge star in the making. I just wish he got a little more uh, props from the wrestling public.
0: I also, you know what? You're, you're so right, Jimmy. What a, what a, just a great talent, man. Just a great talent. I loved every minute that I got to work with him while I was there in TNA uh, Impact Wrestling. It was just a, you know, a great experience overall with him such a passionate dude and, Yes, you're right. showed the many levels of what he can do and can't do and can do him with the best. I mean, Bubba is, is one of the best, man, uh, especially in that type of uh, match. Um, but another thing that, that really made me pretty excited about this pay-per-view is that the, uh, the build-up was so good. I mean, everybody was talking about it. I mean, they really were. It was a packed house. I saw many great shots, man, of this, of this building, this uh, old historic building that wrestling was very famous to be running uh, back in the WCW days. So it was just a really good pay per view, uh, and something that I noticed, you know, and I'm sure you boys did too, was that the, that the world championship men's title was first, yeah. <laughs> and what closed out the show was the the women for the world's title. I found that very intriguing. I I have a I'm going to let you guys take over on this, but I have some mixed emotions on that of whether that placement works or whether it doesn't, or did it work for that guys
2: go ahead jimmy uh, no i'm i'm with you i was a little mixed on 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 whether which match should open because the placement of the matches what they say it always the two most important matches on a show are what opens the show to get that audience primed uh for the rest of the night and what closes the show and what they go away remembering and I, I i like the fact that the women did close the show on one side especially considering there was a Uh, a little more to their story because it was title versus career. So I understand that aspect of it, but at the same time, uh, it's almost like you're choosing which title means more and stuff like that. Uh, You know, people are going to make an argument for one side or the other. For me, I'm okay with the women's match closing the show because it makes the women feel special and they need to be elevated and shown that they are on an equal playing field with the men, they just need to get that recognition and get that audience invested in what they do.
1: Yeah, I agree with a lot what both both you, Jimmy and, and Brian are saying. Uh I think it made sense because we start a pay-per-view in my eyes, um, you want to start hot. You want to start, you, you want to get the audience involved. And that full metal mayhem match certainly, certainly did it. Um, nothing personal against obviously if you had the women there, but I just think because you like you said, Jimmy, it was they told a story. There was more going into it. It was the career versus the title. And you want, I I would want to go home happy. Not that I said I wouldn't go home happy with the the men's match, but the emotional roller coaster. Is she gonna win? Is she gonna lose? Is she gonna win the title? Is she not? I I think the placement for that would have in main event was perfect. Uh, and uh, we're absolute worst case scenario. Do something like, you know, put Josh and bully, uh, semi main. And then you put still keep Mickey and Jordan at there. Like I said, I think they did it the right way. Um, with, with the placement that they did.
0: So here's, here's my take on it. Um, do I think this formula works nine times out of 10? I'm going to say no. But I do think it did work in this aspect. And this is just my opinion. And once again, everybody listen. These are our opinions. And whether you want to listen to them or agree with them or not, that's up to you guys. But here's my take. I think it totally worked for this particular pay-per-view. And I'll tell you why. The first match basically gets all the stuff out of the way when it comes to everything but the kitchen sink. It gets it out of the way. And it's also a way to make everyone happy to just start out this pay-per-view. Then, moving forward, you get to your basic, regular, normal wrestling pay-per-view. Now, why I felt like the placement was okay was because, as Jimmy touched on, there was more story background to the women's title match. And it wasn't outplayed or outdone by that match because of it being set up Mm -hmm. too soon before the main event. So it was way early in the night, and it gave both matches the grand stage. The opener, which everyone's paying attention to, and the main event, which everyone's waiting for. So I felt like this in this particular scenario, this did absolutely work. And I also think that if you were to place it, as RJ said, with a semi-main event, you don't get anything out of that, in my opinion. Just my opinion. And, RJ, I'm not saying that you're wrong. What I'm saying Mm -hmm. is if I'm watching as as a paying customer, that's too much crammed in there for me. It's too much. And I just think that that placement for this particular pay-per-view with the different type of matches with the background story, this did work. Overall, I don't think this would be the formula that most people would probably use, I wouldn't think.
1: Mm. Well, but I, I don't think it's something that we'd see Impact do. Like I said, like you said, Brian, just strictly our opinions, but I don't think that's something we see Impact do. I see it doing it again. Not anytime soon. You want to leave enough time there, obviously. Um, one thing I do want to bring up too is: Did you guys think that having the hardcore match, the Full Metal Mayhem match first, would have taken away from the uh, you know, the street fight that um, Steve Macklin and Rich Swan had? Um, which was their their match was very unique in what they did, um, taking it literally to the streets.
2: Right. Well, there you go. That's because it's different they did something completely different from the other one. Whereas, you know, pretty much in, the, in, in the Josh Bubba match, they brought everything in, but the kitchen sink, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or did I see a kitchen
0: Absolutely. sink? Absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Well, it, well, so, it was metal though. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, little nuances and I'm sure Bubba had a hand in that because, uh, Hopefully they listen to him because the guy knows what he's talking about when it comes, especially when it comes to that style, coming from that ECW background and learning from some of the best to do that. Bubba is also a great hand at, at, and, and a great teacher. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, hopefully they took a, something away from this from him.
1: Yeah, I think one everybody took like something to, away. Yeah.
0: One one thing I'd like to know, though, about this, and, and, and none of us know the answer. I know that uh, I could, probably could ask it and think, figure it out. But I wonder who laid that out. I wonder who laid that out.
1: Mm. That lineup? Which, do you think Bubba, wait, Bubba, Oh, the the light, the whole, the whole card. You mean? Yeah, I mean, do you think Bubba had a hand
0: in that? I,
1: I, I bet he did. I mm-hmm. think I, I, it's possible. I think it, he's got that mind, as you guys know. You've worked with him a lot. He's got that mind for the business that you know not a lot of people have. I, I would even go as far as possibly, uh, you know, I, I would say even somebody like a, maybe a Josh Matthews. Yeah, may have a hand it in it yeah, too, man. but um, but something else I wanted to touch on here in the first count is the uh, main event from Rampage last week. It's been on a hot topic, literally, for a lot of the wrestling world. Uh, we had Ty Conti and Anna Jay taking on not, or excuse me, uh, Willow Nightingale and Ruby Soho, which ended up being a complete bloodbath. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of people uh saying that hey, it's You know, it's contradicting if you say, okay, guys can't have bloodbaths, but women can't. What says you guys? What says you?
2: Well, to be perfectly honest, it's not not the fact that it was a bloodbath. And yes, having it in a women's hardcore match like that, or, you know, it just, it's unique. It's different. And that's the issue I had with it. Because uh, in AEW, we tend to get blood on TV a lot more than I would expect. Let's put it no, that no, way.
0: No, like every week, Jimmy, every week. Yeah,
2: yeah. And so it, maybe it, people say, well, because it's the women, it feels different. And especially since uh Ruby was, my goodness, mm-hmm. it was it was a bloodbath. And uh, again, my issue was more that if you're going to have a special situation like this where the women do bleed, put it on a night where you're going to get your most viewers. Not say, oh, we missed it and we have to tune in or go find it online or whatever the case may be. You do it these special moments in front of your largest potential audience and that's Wednesday nights unless there's an issue with that with the television station and they might have had an issue with it but like you said they bleed pretty much every week so I can't see the uh, station having an issue with it my issue is more where it was placed on Rampage their show that is not watched uh, well let's just say at least half the audience that would have seen it on a Wednesday night you know and and that's where you showcase and make it special. And again, uh, like you said, Brian, where they bleed almost every week that unfortunately doesn't make it feel special.
0: It doesn't, you know, and and whether it be a man or a woman has nothing to do with my opinion, none at all. Um, I just think that that that's just, listen, it was all, the match was great. I mean, I'm not knocking anything at all. The match was great. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but I just think that you you, you got to reserve this stuff to make people want to buy your pay per views. If 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 you're doing this on a Friday night when you like you said, Jimmy, you have half the audience. Why do I need to watch a pay per view for forty nine ninety nine? I'm getting to see it on Friday night, and it's not a good night to watch TV. I mean, so my gosh, it's just like they're trying to use things like this to manipulate people to buy in on a Friday night to get their audience up, and it's not the way to attack it. I don't think.
1: No, right. yeah, definitely not. Hopefully, like you said, it, it's something that we've seen quite a bit as far as the blood that is on tv But ho- hopefully this will be the last for a while. But at this point, who knows? Uh,
0: well it won't, trust me. Yeah. yeah, no doubt.
1: uh something that I want to touch on before we get to our reference review is for those of you that have watched Raw this past week, we will see it was announced we will see the return. Of the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes at the Royal Rumble. Uh, my thought on this, I, it was good to see they've been building it up for weeks. My personal opinion, I would have rather had it been something like a surprise. But they did it the right way and building it and building it and building it. But what says you? What what do you think of that, Brian?
0: I I, I don't. I Well, I don't necessarily, man, RJ, I'm sorry, buddy, but I don't necessarily agree with
1: you. <laughs> Shocking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I,
0: I, I think that you have a big time player right now, and you need to take advantage of it as far as viewers and as far as getting attention of people to buy into one of their biggest big four pay-per-views. You announce a Cody Rose return. You do the build-up like they've been doing, and you announce them. You do. Um, don't get me wrong. Your idea is not bad at all. Mm-hmm. But You're going to attract more attraction, in my opinion. And Jimmy may come back and say, I don't agree with you, Brian. And that's cool, too. That's what we don't have in this segment for. But I just think that they did do it right. They did do a good build up, and they did announce it. And guess what? Me, personally, I'm excited for that. I really am. And I would actually now, if I wasn't contemplating buying the pay-per-view, would actually do it now to see Cody return to the Royal Rumble. So, you know, it's exciting news. And I know it's exciting for WWE. I know they've been itching to get him back. So, uh, me personally, I think they did it right.
2: Not, uh, you know what? You know what? Behead, I agree with you. I think they did it right this time, too, because, like you said, right now, Cody Rhodes is a big time player. He is, and I'm, I can't do the, the air dollar signs, he's money right now. He is. Very much over with that audience. The audience wants to see him come back. And yes, I get the idea of making it a big surprise and people saying, well, the Rumble sells itself because every year there's something special. Yeah. So not only are we getting the return of Cody Rhodes earlier than expected coming there, Mm -hmm. there's probably going to be some other surprise entrance into the Royal Rumble. If, If once you do too many surprises, then everybody goes, oh, whatever. You know what I mean? It was like, uh, remember that year that John Cena returned at the Rumble and nobody knew he was even in the building at Madison Square Garden?
1: Uh, yes. He, oh, my, oh, wait. My, oh, wait. You were there, yeah, right, Jimmy.
2: Yeah, I was there. But here's the funny thing, too. I knew he was there only because I happened to be uh, sneaking by uh, from the secret hiding spot, uh, the smoking section up there. It, it, I don't know if you remember it, had way in the corner upstairs yes. on that level by that window <laughs> where all the yes, crews uh, the msg crews the smoke up there and they let us uh hang out in there so uh, i was coming back from there and spraying myself so i didn't smell so vince couldn't smell it on me uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and here i see somebody covered with uh with a blanket being escorted in out of this limo that came up to the you know the ramp and i look at the shoes and i went oh my goodness Cena's here because you know you wore the uh uh, the, the Reebok pumps. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Man, that's I th- awesome. That's I would awesome. love to see that throwback to Have him come back as uh, Super Cena, or you get the th- mm-hmm. the Thuganomics issue. That would be great. Yeah. Hey, so
0: b- before we jump out of here and get to the second count and, and bring on John and talk some uh, Matt Hardy v One uh I would like to say though, Jimmy, that you are absolutely correct about that. That's a great statement. I never thought about it till you said it. You're going to get your surprise at the Royal Rumble. You're Either way, you're going to get your surprise. So you're going to get your surprise, and you know you're going to get Cody Rhodes. So nothing has been deleted or – yes, pun intended, deleted. <laughs> delete, delete, <laughs> delete. But – um, and you're still – you're going to – like me, if I was contemplating by it, which I was, now I know I'm going to get Cody, and I know I'm going to get my surprises. That's a win. That's a win. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. That was a great, great analogy right there.
2: Thank you.
1: Well, you also keep in mind they're gonna put good matches on because it's one of the big four. We're gonna see Roman mm-hmm. and Kevin. Um, right. Kevin Owens, probably the match before. Uh, women's rumble the, match,
2: which yeah. will probably have surprises in it as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I and I and I think it's like I said, it's one of those best, best pay-per-views of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. but I think they did I think I, they did this one right.
0: I think they did it right. Yeah.
1: But something that has been the best of Reffin and Up has been Reffin Review. This is, is Ref and Review. So boys, the referee review this week, we talked about it obviously pre-show, but uh short, simple to the point. We're gonna go back to Friday night, rampage main event. Our favorite referee, Aubrey Edwards, was the official for this event and a few another referee outside of here uh was somewhat uh made a comment of that and I want to read that to you and I get get your opinions on it uh this one comes from one scott armstrong and he posted this online uh during the pay-per-view he says quote i okay i have to ask why is the ref not checking on the human being bleat or being bleeding on the mat. I quote it. Um, what do you guys think about that? First and foremost, with his, uh, with his comment on there. Go ahead, Brian. I,
0: I don't want to touch too much on this right now because I really don't want to hurt people's feelings, but I'm just <laughs> going to be honest. There's a reason why she wasn't checking on her because she's too busy checking herself out, and trying to be over as a star. Somebody's in a ring fucking bleeding. Get your fucking ass over there and go check on your talent. That's your job. Your job is not to stand there and wear your funky shoes and put your eyeshadow shadow on and look like you're a star. You're not a star. You're a fucking referee. I've been doing it for over fucking 20 years. And guess what? I am who I am. I'm Brian Hebner. I'm not selling a fucking ticket. I don't know what it's going to take to get these guys to realize you're a fucking referee. You're not selling a fucking ass in that building. I'm done. I'm sorry about that. But anyway, go, Jimmy.
2: No, I, I don't know how to add to that. That that was incredible. But you, you got a point there. I mean, and, and Scott was getting uh, attacked on Twitter for 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 making that observation. And he's. Oh, yeah. How can you say to an Armstrong who would he ever beat? But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, God, were you, Scott was 100 percent correct. Your job as a referee is to help the talent tell their story and check on the talent when it needs to be. And checking on someone bleeding that much is handling both jobs at the same time. Not only are you checking on the talent, but you're also telling the story that you're showing some concern for someone who looks like they're very much injured, losing a lot of blood and losing maybe some consciousness. You know what? Tell the story. Help tell the story. But uh, Well, you know know
0: well, you know what, Jimmy? Here's where I'm at on it. Scott can get all the heat he wants to, and I guess what? I'll take the fucking heat, too. Put this shit on the dirt sheets. I don't give a shit, because what I'm trying to tell everybody right now, you're a referee, do your fucking job, and being your, being a referee doing your job is checking on your talent that's injured and being bled to death. That's that's what I'm going to say. And Scott Armstrong, good for you for freaking saying it. And if people are attacking you, it's because they're, they're so beloved by their big star. Well, then have her be a man of it. Fucking wrestler against somebody and, and see if you want to pay a ticket for it, you dumbasses.
1: Well, I, I was gonna reiterate what uh the other individual came back and talked to Scott about, but I I can't get better than that. Uh, something I can get better with at with is our sponsor this week, underdog fantasy. You sign up right now at underdog fantasy. You go over to the app store, Google Play, wherever you get your uh, smartphone apps. You download the app, use the promo code REFIN, that's R-E-F-I-N. You'll receive 100 deposit matchup to $100 and play some pick high-low. Guys, football season, the playoffs are hot. Why not pick a couple of your teams, pick a couple of your players. Make it fun. Make it interesting. I would say, Brian, you could pick a couple uh, of your Washington uh, comrades there or Commodores or whatever they're called. But, oh, man, they're sitting home playing golf. But, anyways, head over, download the app. He's steaming right now. I don't want to – You know, I don't want to poke the bear. (laughs) You you know what,
0: RJ? You know what, RJ? All right, that's cool. Guess what? I won money on that app, too, by the way, and I didn't use any of my commanders because you are right. They are at home playing golf. Now you have made me and turned me heel on your Buffalo
2: Bills. Yeah, well,
1: get in line. I'm sure there's a lot of them out there.
2: Wow. Oh, I I have no room to talk. My Titans, anyways,
1: never mind. They'll be good. They just got their GM today, so we'll see how that goes for them next year. But head over, download the Underdog Fantasy app, use the promo code REFIN, R-E-F-I-N, make your deposit, get up to 100% of that, or get 100% of your deposit back up to $100. Thanks to our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Boys, let's take a break real quick. Get it up to our second count, and welcome in Mr. John Elba. This is your two count.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, I am very, 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 very excited about what I'm getting ready to do. I just can't believe with a schedule that we were able to nail down a day and a time. And guess what? At Ruffing It Up, we did. Not only is this man the host of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, he is also an Emmy Award-winning sports broadcaster for the work that he did as a producer at the Major League Baseball Network. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring on to, reffing it up, Mr. John Alba. John,
3: welcome, welcome, welcome. I am honored to be here. Two of my favorite refs in the history of professional wrestling. That's saying something, because there have been a lot of refs. There have been a lot of refs. In professional wrestling, am I kissing a little ass? Maybe just a little bit, but um, I, I'm, I'm genuinely good. flattered to be here. Thank you, guys.
0: I'm, I'm just gonna roll with that,
2: John.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, I'm gonna take it as well. Trust there you me. Go. Because you know, you know, being in that kind of company, like a look, look at Brian has uh, his dad, his uncle, his late uncle. Yeah. You know, some uh, Tommy Youngs, all the all the guys from the past. <laughs> you know, it, it, man, Tommy Young was the guy who uh, I first kind of paid attention to as a referee and made me want to become a ref so
3: that's awesome that's awesome now and and you know as as someone who works in wrestling as well and in the indies and the role of a referee is just so essential and so many wrestlers take that for granted but man do you as a performer know when you have a referee you can count on and a referee that you can't? And mm-hmm. I, I, it, it affects how you structure your story and your match. And I know firsthand we're talking about Matt Hardy today. Uh, you two are both referees that Matt Hardy knew that he could trust.
0: So, John, I, I know you are jumping on the show now. So with, uh, with that being said, you might want to go back and listen to the show again, which I know you're going to do. And talking about referees to depend on. Just don't bleed in AEW and have the girl referee be your match that would be your uh, person to take care of you. Just saying. Yeah. But anyway,
3: go ahead. I, I heard you get a little fired up there. I'll, I'll have
1: yeah. to oh that's that's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know
0: what you guys are talking about. I don't get fired up. Fuck. What
1: we'll just get <laughs> just get a couple more uh what uh couple more uh, sodas in there, uh, Brian. Oh, you're talking
0: there about the uh, Canadian order.
1: Canadian order. Yep. Yeah, that too. Head Clearly over Canadian. to, yeah, go over to clearlycanadian.com and order it right now. Thanks to our friends over at Clear Canadian. Uh, hey. man, I'm just I'm just full of it, man. <laughs> uh, no, but John, great to have you on. I know um, just an uh, encyclopedia
3: of Matt Hardy knowledge. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe, two, the only, maybe the only person on the planet that you can describe as such, but yeah, <laughs> I, I,
1: it, it's amazing. I went back and between before we brought Jimmy in a couple of weeks ago and going back and watching a lot of these old smackdowns and pay-per-views from, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. These two guys did a lot of work with Matt. You know, Jimmy was part of the WrestleMania 17 TLC match. Brian was a part of so many great matches on SmackDown. He worked with him in TNA. It's just unreal on how, how interlocking a lot of these guys are in professional wrestling, referees included, to, to the talent.
3: Yeah, and what is important for people to remember, too, is that the referees are some of the boys as well. Sure, they're not wrestling, but you're on the road with all the talent and you're going to the same cities as them. You're driving in the same cars as them. You're getting into the same illegal activities as some of them at certain junctures did every now and then I'm not pointing any fingers or saying any names here, but I'm just saying uh, you, you form those <laughs> bonds and on our podcast, Matt even told a story a few weeks ago about Brian. And cause you saw um, when, if, if you pay attention to the extreme life of Matt Hardy, we did a 30 years of Matt Hardy video and Brian sent in a video for it. And when Brian came up, Matt just went V19. And I, said, I was like, I was like, where does that come from? Like, I know the V1, but why, why with Brian specifically? And he told a story about how back in the day, Brian, I think it was with Michael Hayes. Is that correct, Brian? Mm-hmm. You just went up to Michael Hayes and just shoved the V1 in his face and just said V19 and then ran away from him and kept doing it. So that <laughs> left an impression on him. I actually
0: did do that there was a part and I heard this because uh matt, matt left this out maybe it was I don't know why um maybe he just didn't want to bring it up but um talking about color I actually headbutted Michael Hayes and made him juice in the actual hotel room and had fit finley pull me off wow. because I, because that's when I began to rant. uh or run could you say <laughs> uh, But, yeah um it was it, they had a it was really weird in that hotel they had this furniture business I guess that was in the lobby. And there was this bed that they were trying to sell or whatever. And that's where he fell like after I headbutt him because he got really hot when I did the V1 up in his face. And uh, he got really hot and he was all in my face. So I just headbutted him, like like <laughs> literally headbutted him. And he got color and he fell on the floor. And that's when you saw Brian Hebner scramble like a little bitch. Yes. <laughs> was, was he full Beowulf mode at that point? Absolutely. And so was I. So that's not good.
1: <laughs> Ugh. I mean, you, you throw JBL into that in that uh, scenario too. That would be some real, yeah. yeah
0: that, that no, no. I'd be standing. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I've experienced some JBL, and I've experienced some nights with Fit Finley. So uh, you know that. Um, but uh, like you said, uh, RJ, I've I've and John, I've had the pleasure of getting to work with Matt a lot throughout mm-hmm. his career. And one of the things was the TLC matches. Mm-hmm. I. I, I I know everybody talks about WrestleMania 17, which we'll probably bring up, but people forget about the WrestleMania prior to that in Anaheim, the TLC
1: match. There was something else as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The triangle yeah. ladder match. That was yes. one of the yeah. first of the first for all that stuff.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. We even bring up, you go to the SummerSlam, just so many great, you know, the ladder matches, the table matches. And I think with, with, if Matt Hardy, the Hardy boys, Edge and Christian Dudley boys will incorporate all of them because they they work so well together. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for those three teams, I don't think we would have a pay-per-view TLC. I don't think we would have tag teams um, that we do now because they've taken stuff from them. Um, John, do you think that seems to be you know a lot of what we've seen with the current talent or at least within the last public number of years?
3: Well, I think the important thing to remember is this current generation of wrestlers are the group of kids that saw Jeff Hardy jumping off a ladder and Matt Hardy doing a leg drop off the top rope and said, I want to do that. They went to their banister by their steps and jumped off of that onto a couch and said, I want to do that when i grew up and and i do think the influence of the hardy boys specifically uh is profound in pro wrestling today because so much of the athleticism and the daredevil stuff that we see from pro wrestlers i think stem from that look at a team like top flight in AEW right now a, a team like top flight probably doesn't get that inspiration without the influence from a team like the hardy boys or the young bucks the young bucks were specifically influenced by the hardy boys or even the unconventional ones like the Wardlow's Wardlow is a big, meaty guy, but he loved Jeff Hardy. And now you see Wardlow, a big man, doing Whisper in the Wind, which is just insane at the end of the day. So I do think those teams, RJ, are all incredibly important to the timeline of pro wrestling and how it has evolved over the years.
0: So let me ask you this, John, and this, this is pretty interesting too. What are the Hardy boys, and, and Matt in particular, because we're not you know, this is not about Jeff, but it is because obviously Matt and Jeff are part of together, but where's their inspiration from? Is this, is this something that they just came up with and just created on their own or is this, or is there more to this? Because I have no idea about this question I'm asking. Like where, where, where were they, where was their origin of who they loved and tried to be?
3: Yeah. Well, so Matt was a big macho man guy. Macho man was Matt's biggest inspiration Growing up through the years, and Jeff was very much a Shawn Michaels type. So you see the different elements of the characters come out through their own performances over the years. But what was really pivotal for them was they grew up in the early era of the tape trading days, and they had access to their trampoline in the backyard, the Trampoline Wrestling Federation, the TWF that they had. They started the famous backyard videos you've seen on WWE programming. And with the tape trading, you'd see influence from ECW and influence from New Japan. People cross over in that sense. And as a result, uh, you saw them really try to incorporate that style into Omega, the organization of modern extreme grappling arts that I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about. But uh, Omega was one of the first Indies in the U.S. that really embraced that high flying style. They were doing stuff that nobody else was doing, and they weren't even trained pro wrestlers. They were just doing stuff they saw on these mm-hmm. tapes that they traded, and as a result, wow. they became a phenomena. Wow, wow,
2: that's incredible! Especially, you know, when you like you said, they weren't trained professional wrestlers. They were just uh, basically Im- uh, imitating, for lack of a better term, what they saw on these tapes. Yeah and we're able to perform them which shows you the natural ability and i also want to go back to you said the inspirations and you said macho man for matt and uh uh hbk for for um, jeff and you look at two guys that you know were so influential in the industry on a lot of people but you think of them together, and you say, "Boy, what a what a nice blend that would be to blend those two together." And maybe that's the reason why they mesh so well—not just because they're brothers and they could perform the moves you were talking about, but their inspirations were different but the same.
3: <laughs> well, and and I think you see it in their game where Jr. would always use the steak and sizzle analogy. Mm-hmm. I call <laughs> Matt the secret sauce of party Boys. That's what I say. Matt is the secret sauce. Jeff was all the high flying, but Matt was the brain and the architect. And that's kind of what you do with Macho Man. You know, Macho Man, Macho Man, for all intents and purposes, outside of an elbow drop, didn't do anything mind blowing as a pro wrestler, but he was a great character wrestler and he was a smart wrestler. Whereas Shawn Michaels was the guy that you saw him and your just attention was drawn to him. Is that not the same dynamic with Matt and Jeff Hardy, respectively? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think it is to a T. Yeah absolutely
1: yeah so you brought up omega i want to touch on that again that you actually and i guess you could call it mc but you had the the panel there at starcast and i believe with uh, nashville correct
3: uh no it was uh wrestlecade uh, wrestlecade excuse me yeah
1: yeah we did a, uh, a
3: reunion of omega panel it was very very cool yeah
1: it was it was just I, I i ended up watching it back too and i can't remember off the top of my head but did the mention of a uh, one high voltage come up of course had to. That yeah. was for those of you that aren't familiar with it. That was actually Matt's uh, name in Omega there. Uh, and something that I really think that one should go to a certain gimmick attorney to see if high voltage can be copyrighted. So, you
3: know, well, so there's, there's actually a whole dispute over that. So he had several different names because in Omega, Matt and Jeff would wrestle three, four times a night as different characters. So there was (laughs) high voltage, there was surge, there was Matt Hardy. Uh, Jeff would do the whole willow, the wisp thing and they would do a bunch of different characters and high voltage was Matt's one of Matt's gimmicks. So in the 90s, Matt and Jeff sent tapes into WCW to try to get noticed. WCW saw their tape and they liked the name High Voltage. So the tag team High Voltage in WCW came from Matt Hardy's tape submission. So technically, Uh WWE owns all the WCW trademarks. So technically, WWE, to my knowledge, owns the High Voltage trademark Uh as a result wow that's, that's
2: incredible isn't that crazy that's that's crazy and 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 you said that they wrestled like three times a night and under different gimmicks and stuff like that but they also put up and tore down the ring as well that they was an 18 everything. year old
3: promoter jimmy my he goodness was 18 year old promoter how crazy is that All, while they're doing hits with wwe because they would drive up and then drive back yeah, down and do enhancement matches
2: it was yeah i great. remember I remember and there'd be time and I was wondering, you know, like he'd come over to us because I was part of the ring crew as well and say, hey, do you guys need a hand setting up the ring? And we're like, no, it's OK, dude. You don't have it. No, no, let me grab it. You know, and he'd go over, and want to grab one of the boards or something like that. Wow. He just yeah, he just he wanted the help.
0: You, you know, too, uh, something that, you know, I, I'm sure Matt would remember. But when I was breaking into the business as a green Hornet, <laughs> My before I was on TV, I would do the dark matches for uh Scotty Too Hottie and uh gosh, uh Brian, Brian Christopher, uh, Lawler, yeah, Brian Lawler mm-hmm. yeah. and Too Cool against the Hardy Boys. That was the match that opened up each and every Raw and SmackDown every single night until they got onto the to the roster.
3: Is that when they were doing their too much gimmick? Yeah, they were too cool. Yeah, Yeah. they they did they did a run together before they each really uh, latched on full time.
0: Yep, and that was that was my assignment. That was my deal every single night, and it was the most incredible assignment I've ever had in my life. I would do that dark match all day long for twenty some years. I don't care because it was so absolutely amazing to watch these four grow. They were young. They were so young, and. When you said that about Matt being the brains between the two, not that Jeff doesn't have brains, and I'm not saying that at all, but Matt is the total brain of that crew, And it was very apparent from the day that I met those boys. And and, and Matt approaching him and going over things, I've just never worked with anyone, anyone in my life who is the most laid-back guy and has no worry in the world except for what he's talking about and passionate about what he's talking about it's the strangest thing to go over a match with Matt Hardy. It, it really is. Uh he just sits there and he's just like, Well, what do you mean you want to do like that? And I'm like, Well, I just thought that maybe the hot tag would be better. Maybe if Jeff took this and we did it that way, he goes, You know, that's pretty interesting. Um, I think that may work. I think he may be right. And you know, it's just it's it's not one of those guys that goes, I don't like that idea because I like my idea. I like that. He wasn't like that. He was the most laid-back guy. It, it, it was amazing to go over matches with him, and especially as he got older. When I got to work with him, I guess way older because I was with him in uh, uh, Impact. You know our EC3 matches that I had with him and stuff like that. I mean, they were completely amazing. He put totally structured those matches. They were all Matt Hardy. If you don't like those matches, then you don't like Matt Hardy's brain because he's the one that did them all. Um, but just just a I just can't explain how laid back he is and I don't know how to do it without confusing people, but it's just what a laid back guy who just had it naturally. And it, it, it just flew and his memory was so good. It was just unbelievable. And before you get on that one, John, I know you're itching for that one too. I know you are. <laughs> um, you're the, quite a historian. Do, do, do you have a idea of the total championships that he's gotten number roughly? Oof. Um, oh, I have you stumped. Yes, yes, yes. I
3: don't. I mean, well, it also depends how many organizations are you counting here, too. Major, talking so, oh, about um,
0: Impact, TNA, Ring of Honor.
3: Is is this a trivia question? Or are you genuinely asking me? Because if you have the answer, by all means.
0: Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if it's a trivia question or whether the the dirt sheets fucked up. I don't know.
3: What <laughs> what's the
0: answer? What do you got? I got twenty-one total championships in major. That
3: sounds about right. That sounds about right. I would say because because you have to remember they held different iterations of the WWF tag team championships. Then they held the WWE tag team championship in two thousand six into two thousand seven. Then they held the Raw and SmackDown tag team championships. So all those probably make up for about eight or nine reigns they also had the wcw tag team championships during the invasion angle then you throw that with some tna tag titles matt was the u.s champion ecw champion never won the intercontinental championship which was a a big thing for him he was pretty upset he never got to do that oh yeah Yeah. and then he was a multi-time impact world champion so And Ring of Honor world champion or or tag team champions, I should say. So, yeah, so 21 sounds about right, I I would say, off the top of my head. Um, But I want to go to your point about the recall. And that was one of the biggest things with our podcast and pitching the podcast to him. Because I'd listened to Matt Hardy interviews and I'd always heard that Matt was the secret sauce of the Hardy Boys, that he was the brains of the operation. I said, man, this guy would probably make such a great storyteller. And that's what the genesis of our podcast was. And my goodness, his recall, he'll be like, yeah, you know, I stepped forward with my left foot in this spot because of this. And I'm like, what? This match happened 20 years ago. How do you remember that? Uh, But it is one of the really special things about the extreme life of Matt Hardy. And as a matter of fact, Brian, Matt and I were talking and we were talking about how I was going to come on here and talk about This podcast and and his run in WWE, TNA and beyond. And uh, since you gave him some words for his 30th anniversary video, he wanted to send you some words as well. I wanted to send a big shout out to my boy,
1: Brian Hebner. Uh, I am a big fan of Brian Hebner as a person and uh, as a referee as well. And I also absolutely love this podcast, "Reffing It Up. And I know this week, I am very honored to be the topic of discussion, so I'm very excited to hear this back. Thank you so much for choosing me, Brian. I've really cherished our friendship for so many years, decades now we've known one another, and you've always been a great guy, especially when you're throwing up the V1. Thank you so much for doing the episode on me today. I look very forward to hearing it. And thank you so much for your great support of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy with myself and John Alba. We definitely support you as well, Brian. And if you've never heard Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner, you should check it out. He does a great job. He has a lot of passion for his podcast. And he is putting in work and really producing a great product. Thank you so much. And uh, once again, honored to be the topic of today's Reffing It Up. There you have it.
0: That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys so much, man.
3: He's the best dude in the world. He really is. He's one of the kindest people I've ever met in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. I, I, as you I, know, I, as you, you know, know, Jimmy, that's that that's not easy to come by. <laughs> no, I mean, you know what,
2: it was a pleasure getting to work his matches. And like Brian said, he was always open to any suggestions. And sometimes as a referee, you, you, you kind of realize with some talents, it's not a good idea to express an opinion or a suggestion idea uh, with some guys but with Matt you know Matt even at times would tell would ask you so what do you think you know I just you know there's uh, he's got a better recollection memory than I do because I, I know I've done a lot of but I do remember one match I did of his with Eddie Guerrero and you know Eddie was doing the light sheet and steel thing at the time and having fun and it involved a chair and I made a suggestion in that one and and both he and Eddie were very up for it and they did it in the match. And And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever that, you know, talent would actually listen to me, give a suggestion and actually use it. So yeah. it, Matt was always like that, you know, always asking. Uh, I know Brian could vote for this and saying, "Ah, oh, well, Jimmy or Brian, what do you think of this?
0: Absolutely. I mean, Matt was just uh, one of those guys, man, that just, He didn't care who got involved as long as it made sense. And if it did make sense to him, he wasn't that guy, though, that would be brash. He wouldn't do anything like that. It would be, like I said, the laid-back portion of what I'm saying is the most important because you never felt like you had to be on defense with him. You just felt like, well, Matt doesn't like that idea, and you can tell. And you would almost just want to change your mind on it because you just knew that he didn't like it. And it was no big deal. It wasn't like you were trying to fight some wrestler. You know, you were you were fighting, uh, not not even fighting. You were just saying my idea doesn't work because he's a human being and he's just like me and you. And he just that's the way he carried himself. It wasn't like he was like trying to battle anything. He was just trying to make it good. And you know, I, I was listening to to your your, your show, um, actually today in the gym. It actually made me stay in the gym too long. The podcast was so good, by the way. There you go. <laughs> No, uh, no. now I'm burnt, sore, I'm tired and, oh God. But um, where he had said something about Shane McMahon putting matches together backwards Where he would look at the high spot And work backwards All right, I'm going to jump off the fucking roof of the building And then we'll go build it from there <laughs> You know, uh, it, 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 that's just Matt He's smart like that He understands the way people work So if Matt was working with some guy like that He knows what he's going into He's not stupid He's not going to battle that fact, but he's going to actually take up for himself without doing it in an obnoxious, non-objective way, if Dude. that makes any sense.
3: Dude, we we were at Wrestlecade together, and he had his match with Jeff Jarrett that weekend. And they're laying their match together, and at one point, he comes up to me, and he's like, what do you think about this in the match? And I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> like, like 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 now? Listen, I, I I have about seven matches under my belt in my indie wrestling career as a manager. Now, of course, they're all worked like Bobby the Brain Heenan, but you know, the, I was like, well, you know what? What do you what what do you? Why are you asking me? But that is to your point, both of your points. That is just the kind of guy he is, and uh, genuinely one of the kindest people that I've met in pro wrestling, and I'm very grateful to get to pick his brain every week. It, it definitely does.
1: It is noticeable. Listen every week to every Friday. It drops uh, wherever you get your great podcasts. Uh, and you, you could just, you could just hear the passion in his voice when he talk. whatever you guys are talking about, whether it be current stuff, whether it be past stuff, something he's done, you can just feel it. And like you said, he's one of those guys. There's not that very many out there, John, that, they need their stories told. And he he's one of them. Um, and he's one of those minds, too. I'll go off, piggyback up on what Jimmy and Brian has said. To go from a tag guy to a singles guy to a cruiserweight guy. Back to, t- we'll go over to TNA to involve the broken gimmick. That was absolutely phenomenal. I was just showed my son that the other day. I said, because he knows he sees me watch all the stuff from the two thousands with the TLC matches that, you know, Jimmy was involved with, like he mentioned. And AC he says, he's like, dad, what's that? I'm like, that's man. Hardy." No, it's not. No. Yeah, it is buddy. I'm like, he's, he's like, wow. And that's the thing wh- why I've loved the Hardy boys so much because time and time again, they reinvent themselves and it shows the, how mindful they are for the business and the passion they have for the business. Well, both of them in general met so much as well.
3: Well, and that's kind of the key to longevity in pro wrestling, right? Reinvention look at Chris Jericho and how he's been able to sustain such a long career. And I mean, Brian, to my knowledge and recollection, you were there in TNA when the broken stuff was really starting to unfold, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, when I saw the broken character for the first time, I, I told Matt, I hated it. <laughs> I thought it was so dumb. I'm like, I don't get this. What is this? And then to see <laughs> the thought process behind it and and understand, okay, this is why he did this. And every little thing that happened was thought out. I mean, What was that like in in person seeing that unfold? What was the reaction like from the locker room, seeing him whip out this broken universe of sorts?
0: Well, let me let me explain this, uh, John. You know, and I had this written down already to talk to you, uh, and and to go over this, this. This, if nobody believes me, that's fine. Um, but I'm being one hundred and ten percent honest. I've heard two of the biggest pops in that Orlando impact zone. I guess is what you want to call it. Okay, and I'm being dead honest. The 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 first biggest one, and I had to say, was when Jeff came back. Okay, and he came out as a surprise. The place fucking went banana. It just went crazy. All right. This broken gimmick came out. Okay, and 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 I used to talk to Matt about it and catering, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm like you, I'm like, I don't understand what the fuck you're doing. Like, you you got a blonde streak in your hair, and you, <laughs> you know, you're acting like a like a fucking idiot. And he's like, you don't understand. He starts and he actually tells me and I'm not going into that because that's 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 his stuff. But and it starts to make sense, like you said. Well, it was like the third time. No, maybe a few more. It it started to get over and get some traction. And do you remember the time that uh, Rebbe came out and did the piano?
3: Mm hmm. That was a bound for glory
0: that was the second biggest pop I've ever heard in the impact zone in my life. And if you go back and watch that, what year was that John? It was
3: 2016.
0: Okay. 2016. God, you, you are in a bro. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in 26 and I was in the ring when this happened and I didn't even know about this entrance. Apparently they went over this before I must've been catering, eating my fat ass off or something. I don't know what happened, but I see this organ thing roll out. And I'm like, what are we doing here? And then I see Rebby come out and all this other, all this, like, it was a huge deal and starts playing music. And I have no idea what it is. And then it breaks down into his music of the broken, you know, Matt broken. And then he comes out and I'm telling you, as that, as the piano played nothing, I guess it seemed and went to something, the place went nuts. And then when Matt came out, it was the biggest eruption I've ever seen in the impact zone. Now, Now don't get me wrong you're talking about 1,100 people, okay? But still, it was the strongest 1,100 people I've ever heard in my life. It was amazing. And yes, I was there for the whole thing from the beginning to the end. And it was unbelievable. And I really would love for people to go back and check this out. It it, it was really, really something to behold. And Matt really believed in his heart it was going to be that way and really believed that it was going to get him over and really believed that he was another person when he was doing this yeah. and he really was another person when he was doing this. I think it started to be that he was like that on a regular. Like he was just, it, it was just crazy. It was, it was, he did it so well, so well. And I would love to see the damn thing brought back. I don't know. I, at AEW, it would be cool. I don't know. I don't know what they're planning on doing with him over there, but Jesus, but John, a great question. Cause I can tell you right now, it was the most awesome thing
3: I've ever seen. I don't think it can be over or understated. The broken gimmick was the most overacting wrestling period in any company at the time. So much so in 2017, when they came back at WrestleMania, they got maybe the biggest WrestleMania reaction ever. It, it was, and I was there for that. It was an unbelievable moment to see in person. And, and that was a credit to the reinvention. And Jimmy, I know like you weren't necessarily there up front for that, but you were there for when Matt was going through those reinventions in WWE in the early 2000s and stuff like that. Did you right. see it in in those early stages of his development? Did you see that brain process of his where he was thinking ahead to the next step? You could you could see
2: that he was a guy who knew what he was he was a, he was a sponge first of all. Mm-hmm. He would he he absorbed information from everybody. He was a listener and he you could see that at times, sometimes, whether it was at ringside, he'd be sitting there and he you could see his, his brain starting to work and he's starting to think. And you want to go over and say, hey, Matt, what's up? But you don't want to interrupt his thought process at the same time. But you can tell early on and again, not a knock against Jeff, but you can tell early on that Matt was the um, the secret sauce, as you guys say, or the the 11 herbs and spices, uh, secret, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, don't get me wrong, Jeff had a great mind as well, but it's just he kept a lot of stuff to himself. He was more introvert uh, when it came to that sort of thing. But uh, Matt just took it all in and learned so much and was able to incorporate it. And as he moved forward through the years, he was able to evolve it, too. He didn't stay stagnant. He didn't stay the same. Like you said, he changed. He adapted. He knew that, you know, you can't go through the, uh, life with the same gimmick.
0: Hey, John, John, we're a quick too. And This is my thought. Maybe you can make it not my thought. Maybe you can change my thought. <laughs> Do you think that that MVP program that he did with, with Matt would have
1: –
0: like I think that was the turning point, in my opinion, of his career. I think that people believed Matt could be separated from Jeff, in my opinion. I, for me, it was. It was a matter of saying, holy shit, man. This guy can not only have the greatest matches with with a guy who was over. Now, MVP was way over, too, at that point in time. And that program was exceptional. I mean, I, they, they did dumb shit that people would think is dumb, but I didn't. You remember the basketball shoot-off and all the stuff they used to do there? I mean, it was just incredible. It was so much involved in that thing. I just really think that's what put Matt on I don't know. I guess I gotta repeat it. On the mat that Mm -hmm. said you're a star on your own. Is am I am I wrong there? I mean, you're the historian. we,
3: We did an entire episode on that MVP feud, and it was actually one of my favorite episodes because you saw two very creative minds collaborating. And I think that program really elevated MVP quite a bit to the next level, too, as a heel. And there's a great story. Uh, from that podcast about when they have their food eating contest, yes. uh, pizza eating contest, where mm-hmm. Vince encouraged Matt to puke because, you know, Vince McMahon loves puke. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's he's a lot. Gonna, he's going he's gonna to puke. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I, I'm in complete agreement with you there, Brian. I, I think that that program, when Matt finally wins the US title, it's a moment. People got to. Yeah. Huge for it because his pursuit was so fascinating and it was an unorthodox feud. And they had the tag team together and then they weren't together. It was really, really well done. It was a simple anything you can do, I can do better feud, but that's sometimes a very easy story to tell. And frankly, I do think they kind of dropped the ball on not doing more with Matt. After that I felt like Matt was kind of positioned where he could have been a believable babyface challenger for the world heavyweight championship at that juncture and they didn't he, and and I think around that time he was supposed to be in a program if if I've got my timeline correct which I may or may not you remember when Mr. Kennedy won the money in the bank briefcase
0: yes they
3: WrestleMania. were grooming Matt to be the first challenger for when Kennedy successfully cashed in but when Kennedy got hurt, they changed plans. So Matt never, to my knowledge, Matt never had a program for the world heavyweight or WWE championship in WWE. But he was going to be, and I think the MVP feud was a, a big piece in that. Yeah.
1: Do you think Thanks. that w- when when he won the ECW there later on, do you think that was some sort of kind of like make do kind of thing where they said, okay, we couldn't we couldn't give you. Ya- things happen we couldn't get you in the heavyweight to wwe title but hey here's the ecw
3: title i don't know if it was a make good per se but i think he really viewed that as the office trust me here Mm -hmm. because matt then became the guy on the ecw show and you could say well the ecw show wasn't very popular well it was still a major brand for wwe And he was put in charge as the main eventer every single night. And not just that, but because it was kind of a quasi-developmental show, he was in charge of having to elevate each opponent that he faced. Uh, And and Jack Swagger was the guy that eventually won the title from him. And he was in charge of on-house shows having matches with Jack Swagger when he was very young in his career, trying to help guide him through it. And who better to have in there than a mind like Matt Hardy to position him in that spot? And, you know, Matt really... Enjoyed that time because it allowed him to show what he could do as a singles guy. He and Jeff were both singles world champions at the same time, which was very cool for them personally, because Jeff was the WWE champion. And uh, yeah, uh, ultimately, it was definitely a period that he holds with a lot of high regard
1: so why don't we send it up to our third count of this episode and get some listener questions in here for you john as well maybe a few from uh some of us as well so we'll send it up there now
0: this is your three count
1: It's that time for some listener question, guys. Um, I got a couple from uh, somebody that you're very familiar with, uh, John, Mr. Devin Dowling, loyal listener of the show and of uh, the extreme life of Matt Hardy as well. RJ, Uh,
0: I don't want to cut you off, but I just want to say um, I am enjoying this so much. And I, 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 I'm just going to say, I'm going to cut and I hope you have, it doesn't matter how many you have. We're going to do three listener questions and then we're going to carry the rest of this because I, I got a lot right here. So I uh, just, just go with the three and I'm sorry for the rest of you who have other ones out there. Yeah. We'll, we'll make it up later, but I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: There well, yes. You
0: know. I, am, that, I that, guess that, I'm the dick of the show, whatever. Go.
1: That's why <laughs> that that's that's why your name's on the marquee and Jimmy's the <laughs> reffing guy. So it, Hey, it works. I'm just, I I'm just happy to be here. I say that every week. I'm just happy to be here. Um, <laughs> but Devin's first question is uh, how did you get into the wrestling business? John?
3: This is actually a pretty fun story. So I had always obviously been a pretty big fan. And I was doing some blogging for some sites back when I was in like high school or whatnot. I was pursuing a career in sports journalism. And I was at my first station on air, which was the ABC Fox affiliate. And I'm sure Brian and Jimmy, you both have many memories from going to this town over the loops over the years. But uh, in Bangor, Maine of all (laughs) play and i was i was the sports director there and i was covering a one-man show that billy gunn was doing there and and i was doing an interview with billy and i i had talked to him before that but this was our first time in person together and he goes to me you know i just gotta tell you you have a really punchable face (laughs) and i go oh is that so and he goes no man you ever want to work in wrestling that's your meal ticket people will pay money to see you get your face punched and because you know us wrestling fans and wrestling minds they're all so Mm -hmm. twisted we're like oh (laughs) yeah that's interesting and uh, that started my journey into indie wrestling and now here I am eight and a half years later whatever it was and getting to host podcasts with people that I grew up watching and talking to fine gentlemen like you. So here we are. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm curious because like you said, you have uh, several podcasts going right now with several yeah. wrestlers and, and yes, obviously Matt is a, a great one, but who, who are some of the others that you really um, I'm sure you enjoy them all, but uh,
3: I do. I do. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, listen, I've been very blessed and fortunate to get to work with some great people. Yeah, I've got the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy and my other major podcast at this moment in time is Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff. And Eric, you know, whether you like him or you love him or you hate him, there's no denying that he is a captivating wrestling mind to hear talk. And Eric and I don't agree on everything, especially the modern era of pro wrestling. We have two very different perspectives on but I will always listen to Eric's perspective because it's unique, number one, and it's usually pretty educated at the end of the day. So I always think he has a lot to offer. I got to do a lot of work with Kurt Angle. My two, my three favorites growing up were The Rock, because who didn't love The Rock? The Rock, Kurt Angle, and Matt Hardy. And for me to be able to say that I've done podcasts with two out of the three, that, that ain't bad. Though I wouldn't hate if we added Dwayne Johnson to that list too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not not at all.
3: So John,
0: uh, John, just um, you know, you know, covering Matt, and obviously you're, if nobody knew, and I, I knew, but I had no idea to the extent, but the quite historian you are. Um, have you and Matt talked about being the only cruiserweight championship match that's ever main evented? On uh, Smackdown, I believe.
3: So we have a Rey Mysterio episode coming up this year where we will be talking about that. That is planned for later this year. I think we did briefly hit on it on a previous episode of like Ask Matt Anything. But that will be a big part of what we talk about because that I, I know firsthand he has told me this. Rey Mysterio is one of Matt's favorite people that he has ever worked and all the work he did in that cruiserweight division pretty much goes through Ray Mysterio at the end of the day. And I know that him getting a chance to main event in the cruiserweight division was a really, really, really significant sign of approval from Vince McMahon for the caliber of work that Matt was doing at the time. So we will be talking about that when we talk about his cruiserweight run and specifically Ray Mysterio.
2: Jimmy, did you do that match? I believe I did. Uh, unfortunately, my recollection of matches is not the same as, uh, as Matt's. Matt's, uh, took bumps throughout his career. I, uh, apparently I took too many ref bumps and I can't, remember, <laughs> but, I, but I think that was one of the ones I did. Man, I'd be, uh, let me just Which, put it this way. I've been blessed to be a part of a lot of Matt's matches over the years and having to see him do a lot of, um, yes, in the TLC matches and that sort of stuff. But Matt knew how to tell a story. He had that kind of mind. He knew that if you're going to do a big move, give people time to absorb it, to take it in and sell correctly. He knew how to sell. And that's the big thing. And and when you talk about his broken character, when he when he did that, I'm like you, I I, I needed a little time to get into it. And once I understood it, it was kind of like, ah, this mm-hmm. is actually quite, quite brilliant. And you know what I mean? It took it took me time, but I finally got it. And I said, you know what? This guy may be too smart for the wrestling business.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, while while we were talking just there, I did a quick little research. And based on what I can find here, it looks like the referee for that match was none other than Brian Hebner. Wow. So you know, oh, wow, wow. So wow. It, it, it looked just based on uh, my quick research here. The, yeah. I, I recognize that crew cut, you know.
0: Well, <laughs> well, you remember, you remember when you said earlier that you know he said he missed that spot because he put his left foot,
3: you know, before whatever. Yeah, was. yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, if I didn't make a left foot stand, the only reason why is because I couldn't put my right foot before it. That's that's about <laughs> it. But you know what, though, that's awesome to know, man. That's awesome. So I'm part of history too. So we needed, we needed to talk tough. About-
3: Sounds like our watch along is in store at some point in the future
1: there. There you go. Sounds great. Uh so Devin has another question here. We're going to keep going with the wrestling talk. He has another baseball one, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um he says how much money would it cost for a John Alba versus Disco Inferno match?
3: <laughs> <laughs> did you so did you guys see this? Do you do you understand the context of this question? Um so I, I yeah. So Dax Harwood has his podcast now, and they asked for questions for his podcast, and I guess they said no wrestling questions. So I asked,
0: "Hey John, by the way, that's not a good idea." But anyway,
3: (laughs) well, so I so I asked a question, uh, not so much about wrestling, but it's about broadcasting because I'm a broadcaster. You know that that's my background, and I said, you know, what do you look for in a great broadcaster? How are you talking to a broadcaster before a match? It was really a question about broadcasting, as far as I saw it, and not pro wrestling. Mm And Disco Inferno, who I've never interacted with in my life, don't follow him, he doesn't follow me, quote tweets it and is like, proof that you're living in the bubble. And I'm like, like the wrestling bubble. And I'm like, now hold on a minute, man. Hold on a minute. Not to be like braggadocious or anything, but if there's one wrestling journalist or broadcaster or whatever that you're going to come at and say that, I'm in the wrestling bubble and be so far incorrect. I've covered Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, NASCAR, the PGA, college football, college basketball, high school sports. I'm the definition of having been outside that bubble. And then Billy Gunn one day was like, hey, bro, I want to punch you in the face. Come make some money. I'm like, <laughs> oh, OK. OK. So, uh, yeah, and I said that to Disco. I was like, "What are you doing, man? What's what's the deal here?" And I don't know if it's his gimmick to try to dunk on people these days. Maybe it is, but uh, how much money would it take? I don't know. All I do know is Matt Hardy's son Maxwell, pinned him clean when Maxwell was one years old. One year old in the middle of the ring. So, uh, and, there's, just, and, and there's and there's and there's evidence of that too. There's and that's online. proof of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. So. <laughs> I don't know I've, if one year- old Maxwell could beat disco Inferno I think I got do, a chance boys I think do, I
0: got do you know do you know Luke gallows I'm very well okay mm-hmm. well you know what you say to response that to something like that that disco Inferno said do you know what you say
3: what? I'll tell nerd, you.
0: nerd. <laughs> no you just go fuck you buddy
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, like that uh, it, was, it was just so dumb. Well, that you
0: know, think about the source, man.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. What else we, what else we got, know. RJ? All right. So we got one <laughs> keep it going. We got one last
1: one from Devin. He asks, because he knows about your baseball background there. Uh he says, Who would you who would make a great co-host for you if you ever did a uh uh excuse me, a baseball podcast?
3: This is a great question, and I'm almost hesitant to give out my answer because it's something I still want to do. But I have
0: come on, a come on. Only wrap it up. come on, I have <laughs> a
3: I have a concept in mind. You see behind me, right there. I don't know if either of you guys or all three of you guys are baseball fans at all, but I got the '98 Yankees there behind me. That's my favorite yeah. team in sports history, and I want to do a podcast one day with a Yankees beat writer, somebody that was there the entire time and do a long form on the Yankee dynasty, you know, the dynasty that launched Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera. And each week you have a different episode on a different person from the dynasty or a, a major game or a series from that dynasty. And it's with a writer or a former player who was there firsthand up close in person to witness the whole thing. I think that would be a really cool concept for a podcast.
1: Nice. So interesting side note on that, I grew up a Yankee fan since birth. My uncle, uh, my I should say my great uncle, who's my grandfather's brother, would send me a, every year since probably 80, since I was born, 84, he would send me in the mail every year a Mets yearbook and a Yankees yearbook. So I have, I don't know where it is, it's going to kill me if I can't find it, but I have a 96 yearbook for the Yankees I have an 86 yearbook for the Mets oh wow that's awesome and I'm like it's it's one of my cherished things I'm like oh man it's just it's one of those concepts where a lot of people they don't there's not a lot out there baseball
3: podcasts yeah yeah I'm Um, I'm, I'm in on it so if anyone has a connection let's make it happen
1: Okay, well, that's on tape now. So if anybody starts a Yankees podcast with am, that, you're going to have to win your ass.
3: Let's go. <laughs> he, John
1: Alba will be on you like Maxwell on Disco Inferno. That's right.
3: Wow. <laughs> He'll be like Brian Hebner on the Beerwolf. Wolf. Headbutt, oh, motherfuckers everywhere. He won. Nah. <laughs> the one Jimmy, did you ever see uh Michael Hayes with his ponytail out? So, you know, not in a in a bun? Because I was told over the years, especially in the early nineties, midnight or the mid to late nineties, I should say, that if Michael Hayes had his ponytail done up, you were fine. Mm-hmm. Everything was business. Mm-hmm. But it was when the ponytail was out, you knew there was trouble.
2: I've seen the ponytail out a lot of times on the overseas tours on the bus. Uh,
3: Let's yep, put it that
2: way. That I will tracks. leave it. At, I will leave it at
0: <laughs> that. tracks, okay? <laughs> Dude, Jimmy's so kind. Jimmy's so
2: kind. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I do. I do remember him calling out Kali one time though. Um, we wow. Were at, at TV. We were at TV, and you know we're walking into catering, and they had chili that day in catering, and <laughs> there was a great colleague wolfing down the chili and you know he didn't eat uh certain meats let's put it that way and we all looked at each other and I happened to be walking with ps at the time and and some other guys and we we're looking and we're going, who's gonna go over there and tell him and, you know michael Ah, oh, i'll go tell him i don't care so you walk out. hey Kali. you know there's there's a there's, no he's telling him what's in there and Kali looks at him and goes yeah so and he just kept <laughs> Michael,
3: okay, whatever. That's, <laughs> That's great. I love
0: that. Hey, John. So, on, on a on a little size, uh, I don't know how to say it. Oh, mm-hmm. Just to break things down, mm-hmm. obviously, there's there's been some history of problems uh, with 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 the uh, the Hardys, as far as legal issues and things like that. Um. Matt's never hidden from him. Matt's never not talked about him. Uh, I just want to ask, does he ever feel like this holds him down as an individual with what his brother may do or may not do? And do you think that this has ever affected his career?
3: Oh, I mean, 100%. It's affected his career. No questions asked. I mean, look, reality is reality. As Matt would say, the truth is the truth. They were about to go on a very big run in AEW last year. They were about to probably win the AEW tag team championship. And then what happened happened. And right. it kind of sat it's it, it resulted in Matt falling back down the card. And listen. You know, that's my favorite part about Matt is his transparency in an industry that is built on a lie and smoke and mirrors. Matt Hardy is extremely transparent. And we, we did episodes on mental health and addiction. We did episodes talking about Matt's own battle with those demons. And the reality is, as as we discussed on there. You can have people supporting you and trying to right your ship, get you on the right track. But it boils down to the individual themselves at the end of the day. The individual themselves has to want to set themselves in proper form. And if they don't or they can't, it's going to have ramifications on other people. So it is unfortunate what's happened. It doesn't mean that Jeff Hardy is a bad person or a bad guy. You know, people go through shit. It's, it sucks. It, it it happens. Matt doesn't hold anything against his brother or anything like that. But again, Matt is kind of an eternal optimist. So he tries to find the good in every bad situation. Right. And, and, and right now he's making the best of that by getting to work with private party and Ethan page guys that were from that younger generation that he had never worked with before. And hopefully he can give his veteran rub to them just a little bit. So yeah. Has, has it held him back from doing some things? Certainly. But even if he gets held back, he's going to try to do everything he can in his power to make the best of it.
2: And like you said, giving off that advice. Hopefully, people are listening because if there's one veteran out there, and this is funny coming from a guy who saw his debut, basically, uh, if there's one veteran they should be listening to, he is definitely one of them. And I think, uh, and and I hate to, you know, put a negative spin on things for AEW, but I don't think they listen enough to their veterans, some of the talent there. And Jeff, uh, Jeff, uh, Matt, and uh, so some of the other veterans there are definitely guys they should be listening to, and maybe not following their word to a T, but at the same time listening to them and trying to understand the reasoning, the logic behind it. Because it's like you, like we say, and we preach here all the time: it's a lot more than just the moves. Because a lot of guys can do the moves. It's how you present yourself to the audience and get the get the audience interested in you. And Matt was able to do that with all his inter, uh, in, uh, reinventions of his character.
3: If I were starting a promotion right now, Matt Hardy would be on my short list of individuals that I would want either as a head coach or as someone on my creative staff. There's no questions asked about that.
0: I agree.
1: Well, and you know...
0: Think, oh, go ahead. No, that's okay. And, and John, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. And I mean, one of the, 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 the saddest memories of my whole career and I've, I've come ways you know away you know and, and realized what was going on because at the time i did not was with was with jeff and obviously you know the story with him and sting at the pay-per-view um i was very unfortunately part of that yeah. and it was it was a very very sad moment and i know that you and EB have talked about this and i know that I'm sure you and Matt have talked about yep. it. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, you know, I just didn't understand it, you know, because, you know, yes, I drink beer, you know, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not a fucked up individual. You know what I mean? I just, I'm not. Um, but it was just a really crazy moment in my life that I just couldn't understand. And I was very mad at Jeff. And I told him in the ring, like, like literally told him in the ring. He was like, what are you doing? And I was just literally just like, you know what, dude, you fucked up. You fucked up. And I said that. And I literally said that. And it was probably 10 minutes after I got through the curtain that I just couldn't believe I said that to him. Because I realized there was a guy that was hurting. You know what I mean? And Jeff is the best individual you'll ever meet as well as Matt.
3: Dude.
0: It's so true. And I actually text Matt. And Matt told me to please text Jeff because I was scared to call or text Jeff, because I thought I fucked up by saying what I said, but it was from my heart because I felt very embarrassed and I really protect what I do, which, you know, yes, I'm not selling tickets to nobody. I'm not doing any of that. But, but I, but what I am doing is trying to protect the boys in the ring and do my job. And I just really, really just, it it crushed me.
3: Yeah.
0: And Matt was the one that let me do that and told me to do it. And I did. And I reached out and you know what? It was the best. We we didn't talk on the phone. Me and Jeff didn't talk. I'm not saying that. But we text for about 20 minutes. And it was the best texting I've ever done in my life. He he admitted that he was going through things. He admitted that he's got demons. He admitted different things that he had never said to me before. You know, and and, and so it's just um, it's to me it all orchestrated from the brain that we talked about earlier, Matt, because Matt understood the situation and realized how important it was for me to reach out to him, to let him know I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I'm just upset with your decisions Mm -hmm. and just upset with the way you handled this situation.
3: Well, and that comes from a place of care and concern at the end of the day too. Right. Because like, you both of you knew the Hardy boys coming up through the system here and saw their ascension. And it really was special for them. Um, You know, the thing about Jeff, Brian is, as you alluded to, if you've ever met Jeff Hardy, Jeff is truly one of the kindest individuals that you're ever going to meet. He, as- would, he wouldn't harm a soul. And that's why when you see someone like that struggle with these demons and and like Jeff did some bad things, he screwed up, he screwed mm-hmm. up, but it's it's one of those things where, like, if that was a bad person who screwed up like that, you'd be done with it. You'd say, you know what? No, you're kind of loose. But if you know him, you know the type of person that he is and that unfortunately he has dealt with these things that uh, have really taken control of him. Your heart just goes out. And and when this stuff happened with Jeff this past year, I'll never forget the day that happened. I, I was so heartbroken, A, that it happened. But B, my immediate thought was, oh, my goodness, poor mm-hmm. Matt. Because everything he's been working so hard for just fell apart. And to to my surprise at the time, but not to my surprise in hindsight, when Matt and I spoke on the phone, he said, you know what, man? I'm just going to do the best I can and make the best of it. And that's the kind of guy Matt Hardy is. Mm-hmm.
0: And you know I, I, hey, what? I'm, I'm done with that after this. But I learned a lot as a person, too. I did. I learned a lot as a person. Um, I just learned that, like you said, he's not a beat up person and a bomb and a, and a, and a, and a fucking worthless person. He is the kindest person you'll ever meet. He really, truly is. He'll give everything and do anything for a fan. Matt's the same way. Oh, like, yeah. It, I mean, they, they they are. They're brothers, man. And, they, and it, You know what? They are different. They're very different. But it just taught me that I never learned this before in my career, and I don't know that many referees have. But it just shows you that you have to put – over the fact that people were dealing with things and it's not you and about you it's about them and them doing what they need to do was probably that portion of that part in his life you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. just it was really weird it was a really weird situation and and i hope no referee ever has to experience that ever 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 um i mean you're working with the icon sting it was just really really tough but I'll say, I've learned from it, and I love Jeff even more for it, and I really do, mm-hmm. and I love Matt even more for it, because Matt was the, the the engine that drove me and Jeff to being okay, you know what I mean, because we weren't okay, Jeff was mad at me, I was mad at Jeff, mm-hmm. and we were good, because Matt's the one that orchestrated us talking this out, you know what I mean, and so it was, it was a really cool, not cool experience, It was just mm-hmm. something like that.
3: Sure. Yeah. That's, I I appreciate you sharing, sharing that story here.
1: So to piggyback off of of that, and then we'll move on to uh, some wrestling, but we've seen guys like a Mark Merrill, DDP, um, Jake Roberts, even really take, you know, the bad things that have happened to them in their careers because of addiction, mental health, what have you. And flourished with it, whether it be DDP with his yoga or the public speaking with Mark Merrow. Do you see down the road if he doesn't already? Do you see Matt doing that? Because I think he would be absolutely phenomenal with that—going to schools, going to youth groups, and speaking with these people, kids, adults, and say, "Hey, this is what, um, what we
3: what should what you should do." I think that would be an excellent, excellent teacher. And he will be someone that will one day train the next. He's got all of his kids, right? His gaggle of kids. <laughs> there's, there's future Hardy boys to come here in the future. Um, so uh, I think that he will be an excellent teacher in whatever role he takes up, whether it's with a major company or a promotion or a training school or um, I think his mind is one that will keep this business going for a long time. And and mm-hmm. I hope that people value those different lessons he brings to the table. I I have the best job in the world. I get to learn from Matt Hardy every single week. Wow, I'm so grateful for that. I know for a fact that there are so many more stories that we can tell together. And I'm really, really excited for what is to come i i know that writing an autobiography a proper autobiography is on his bucket list and i think that's something i'm going to be able to work with him on one day because we tell these stories together so uh whatever role he does rj whether it's coaching producing managing because matt could be a great manager one day too if he wanted to do mm-hmm. that after mm-hmm. it uh, i think the hardy legacy will live on for many years to come
0: amen uh, i want to say this john uh I know you're a busy guy, and we got we we. I could literally all three of us, including mm-hmm. you, which would be four, could talk all night about Matt Hardy because Matt Hardy is the man um, to me, a, a huge influence on my life in my career. And when I say life, I really mean that. I don't mean just as a referee. I mean life. Um, but. I really, really, really just want to say I really thank you so much. Uh, I, I thought about you right away, and I know that Matt couldn't be on the show, and Matt did want to be on the show. He really did. He couldn't do it because he was flying to Fresno tonight, which is a long flight. Obviously, <laughs> just, <laughs> folks don't mm-hmm. long flight, and it was just just too hard to do. And we had to do this tonight because we dropped tomorrow night, so or tomorrow mm-hmm. morning. So, yeah, yeah. and I saw, thought immediately of you as I reached out to him and he said, Oh, please get John on. That'd be awesome. And I, that was, that was, that was my suggestion. And I thought it would be great. And mm-hmm. you didn't let us down, dude. You did great. And built yeah, in so good. I, and yes. I just want to say last thing, and then I'm going to flip it to the boys because I know they want to say something to you too, as part and takes, but um, thank you so, so much, John. And uh, you know, I'm always here if you need me and I love Matt. I'll do whatever you guys need and really really just really do appreciate your time because i know you're a busy dude and thank you so so much
3: thank you so much for that that's uh really really super kind words of you and i appreciate that you're good people it was great hanging out with you uh, at the end of last summer and mm-hmm. I, I think it was chicago i uh, had a, a great time rendezvous with you there so thank you so much for having me seriously
2: yeah, thank you for being here so much. And a pleasure getting to talk to you. Likewise, Jimmy. it's it, this, this was awesome. And looking forward to further chats down the road, hopefully, because you know what? Uh, as someone who got to experience Matt Hardy for, for all those years, still learning about Matt. And thank that's God. the beauty. That's the beauty of this thing. You know? And uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing with us. And please pass on all our best. To
3: Absolutely. Matt. Thank uh, you so much, Jimmy.
1: And so, lastly, obviously, Matt Hardy streaming life of Matt Hardy drops every Friday morning, wherever you get your great podcast. How can people
3: follow yourself, Matt and and uh, the show as well? Yeah, you can follow me at John Alba, J-O-N-A-L-B-A. Lose the H-Hs are for losers, friends. Real people, real men spell names, (laughs) J-O-N. at Matt Hardy Pod on socials. You can follow Matt at Matt Hardy Brand, as I said, every single Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Or ExtremeHardy.com and also Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff. If you guys haven't checked that show out it's one of the most unique shows in all pro wrestling that drops every Thursday, but with how much news has been going on in the wrestling industry, it's been dropping even more significantly. So, uh, yeah. So thank you so much, RJ. You yes. do a great job as well. Thank you so much for uh, having me on, on guys. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And Thanks, the last, thing,
0: last thing I want to say, cause I know Matt's going to go back and listen to this. Hey, Matt, I love you buddy with all my heart. I'm sorry. I couldn't have you on, but you know what? John did a good job, man. He might have been better than you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow.
3: I'll give you this because we do it every single week on our show. I'll <laughs> hit you with one right now. Ready? <clears throat> Matt Fact, Matt's second favorite podcast is reffing it up. Oh, yeah. He
2: won that.
0: He won that. Thank you, John.
2: Thank you, John, very
0: much. Thank you, John. Appreciate John.
1: it. What an episode. that uh, John Alba, man. What a encyclopedia about Matt Hardy, man. I think he actually should write a book with Matt Hardy, like you said, cuz that would be absolutely phenomenal. If you, know, you don't
0: I've, think if you don't think he'd be part of that book, you're out of your mind.
2: Oh, he's definitely going to be a part of that book.
1: But, you know what something else everybody should be part of, guys? Mm. Manscape. Yes. Go ahead over to manscape.com right now and put in the promo code Refin that's R E F I N. And get 20% off and free shipping. Guys, they just came out with a new line today. I don't know if you saw it on their online. It's an actual like a beard trimming, coloring, everything for your beards now. Not only can you trim below the belt. I just I just did it yesterday. My wife is absolutely or absolutely happy with me right now. Which, if you know my wife, she's not really happy with me that often. But today she is. So head over, get like I said, Refn, refin r e f i n. Use a promo code, uh, for that twenty percent off, free shipping. Man, unbelievable! I know you guys. have have uh, you know gone there. You whack the weeds. You got those nose <laughs> pesky nose hairs, ear hair, whatever. Oh. And it's you you, you're, 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 you guys are like 21 again
2: yeah no, like I tell like I said before as someone who's been blessed with the Greek curse of having hair everywhere except for up here, manscape comes in so handy and helps me take care of business right around the most uh delicate well, delicate areas I, yes thank
1: you <laughs>
2: well
0: Jimmy you're, you''re you're just a nice guy let me just tell you manscape I'm telling you right now all right first of all I wanted to say one thing. And I don't want to go elongated. I just want to say, first of all, my balls are great. They're so so great. And I also want to say that those underwear that they sent me, these boxers, um, I'm actually embarrassed to say, but I have to explain it real quick. I put them on after I took an evening shower. Okay, I had a shower in the evening, which means about 7 o'clock. They felt so good. I put the motherfuckers on again the next day because they felt so good. I did not only do that, but I also ordered three pair Mm. to go into my lineup because it made my balls feel so good after I manscaped. I am totally clean. I'm totally fresh. I am. Please get this stuff. Promo code RJ promo
1: code again Refn, refin r-e-f-i-n manscape.com slash refin or just simply go to the website enter the promo code 20 percent off free shipping guys it's a perfect package for mm-hmm. your favorite package head over to manscaped refin absolutely phenomenal and something else that is absolutely phenomenal is what we're covering next week guys um uh, I, I I kid you not. This is probably the best segue that I've ever done. The big show <laughs> is next week. I bet his balls are clean. Well, I, I, <laughs> hey,
2: I, I, I don't know, know is, man. <laughs> uh, maybe TMI. TMI. <laughs>
1: well, hey, you guys are the ones that traveled with him overseas. I'm sure we'll have mm-hmm. plenty, plenty of great stories from those trips, as oh, well as uh, yeah. some matches from uh, from yesteryears that mm-hmm. you guys worked with him. Um, can't wait for those stories, guys. Um, uh, big show. One of those guys that keeps, keeps going. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And, and, and God bless him. And you know what? Uh, when you, when he, when you didn't upset him, he was one of the coolest guys to be around. Yeah. You still want to, don't want to make the
1: giant angry. Exactly.
0: Um, I was able to ride his private
1: tour bus and, uh, uh, Oh, yep. Got some stories. Uh Uh, uh, all right so guys make sure you follow us across all your social medias so you stay up to date on everything Refin it up it's refin it at refin it up across instagram twitter castby.com slash refin it up all our platforms are right there merchandise store all the promos are right there as well uh jimmy where can people get a hold of you They can get
2: a hold of me on Instagram at Jimmy Corderas, uh, not on Instagram, on Twitter at Jimmy Corderas, on Instagram at Real Jimmy Corderas, all my social media platforms. You can catch me here uh, with you guys having a blast every Wednesday morning. And then you can catch me on Wrestling Inc. on Mondays and Wednesday nights after Raw Monday and Dynamite on Wednesday nights, giving my opinions on how the shows went. And also
1: you can catch me on my social
2: medias doing my ref and rants from
1: Monday to Friday
2: having a little fun there too. There you
1: go. I, I always go back and watch them in the morning. Cause I can't stay up that late. Cause I'm up at four 30 in the morning for, work, so I always go back to the next day and watch them on my big TV. So definitely a good time. Um, another good time that we're having guys is with our guys, uh, JD hoop, who does, does the graphics for our show. Outstanding he surprises us every week, as well mm-hmm. as AJ McKay with our great new music that we have, bringing us in the segues to each and every segment Guys, I've gotten so many different compliments on both the work that JD does and AJ. um I, I could probably make a huge list for it. It's absolutely phenomenal.
0: They are the, the, the you know what they're they're probably the biggest two guys of our team, seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make those little things mean the most and, and and that's just me. you know you you can look at Twitter all you want. you can scroll through, but to see the graphics that JD does is absolutely amazing. It really truly is and it just adds so much to the show and just makes me feel so proud. And AJ, my god. I feel like that, you know, our, our opening show is like a trailer to some major film or something. It's it's absolutely amazing. And AJ's doing some big things too, man. He's uh both our guys. I hope they don't ever leave us. I really
1: don't. <laughs> no, yeah, no no kidding. Um and then Brian, what uh people get a hold of you still same as always, right?
0: Absolutely, I I keep it simpler than uh, than uh, Jimmy because I I don't change it. But it's at Baby Hebner on both (laughs) platforms, Twitter and Instagram. I don't throw in the D as Jimmy did, but it's at Baby Hebner at Baby Hebner.
2: Yeah, he's the Jimmy Cordero. So he he... no, I don't put it's it's real on
1: Instagram. Oh, real, Real oh,
2: oh, that's 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 because somebody stole the gimmick. Oh, he did. did? I I had to change it. Oh, sons of. Yeah. well that's fake oh, yeah, tell me about it <laughs>
1: <laughs> but guys thank you so much for being here tonight guys and guys thank you so much for tuning in this week to it Up with Brian Hebner and we'll see you back here next Wednesday one two three